welcome to the Ring Strong Podcast 102, and welcome back, Rob Jones. Good morning. You only went away for a week, but I recorded three shows when you were away, and it felt so lonely without you, mate. Because <laughs> normally you uh, send me messages, right? You're going, you ask the next question, we and we back and forth without the guests knowing. So exactly. you must have, you must have, shit, I need to ask the next one myself. I would start the conversation with a list of bullet points and then slowly work my way through to not lose my train of thought. But it is so much harder to podcast on your own than when you have someone to work off. I completely agree, especially if you're used to it. Yeah, exactly. So I missed you, mate. Good. I missed you. Thank you. I know the listeners will admit, actually, they won't know anything. The listeners won't know a thing. Well, last week was completely solo from me. So they knew that. Uh, did you listen to last week's show, mate? I wondered if uh, you were. I haven't listened to it yet. It's what? on my. It's on my list of. It's. I've downloaded it. Obviously, oh. it's in the car, ready to go. It was a good conversation around fueling, around something that you've actually used uh, a continuous glucose monitor, and something that would have been so interesting to have on you in Jordan, mate. Actually, over your five day, your five day ultra. It would have been really interesting. I didn't see anybody in Jordan wearing them either, actually. Yeah, they're really popular now in the EU. We still can't get them here. Although if you did listen to last week's show, you'll understand that I ended up on a clinical trial at the end. So hopefully I'll be coming back from Europe with a, with a I don't know, a couple months supply of them and we can do weekly updates on my glucose on oh, the show. The, the only issue I ever found with the one that I did use was you had to you had to scan it in every, I think the maximum was every six hours yeah, or eight hours. So you could just about get away with it if you're, if you're sleeping, but it had to have internet. So in an internet dead zone, then there's yeah. no, no use, which means it wouldn't have worked in Jordan, the one we used. True, true. Well, this one, uh, because I actually chatted, so they, they actually vetted me before agreeing to come on the show. So I had a chat with another one of their co-founders pr- the week prior to Phil coming on the show. Yeah. Um, just so I think, just so they know that you're not going to ask any stupid questions or you know at least what you're talking about. And I learned a bit more about the product then because there, there is a product here that I don't think you can buy here, but it, there was going around and we wore it for a bit last year, didn't we? I can't even remember the name of the, the company. Z- or the guy. Zika or Zuka. Zika. Yes, that's it. Um, really nice guy, but it was definitely in a very developed, developmental stage mate you know last year you couldn't speak without cocking up i've got that this year (laughs) you've given me your speech impediment i used to have a speech impediment as a kid don't it's harrowing yeah well i've got it now this is bullying it's very much in its developmental phase Mm -hmm. um and i don't think it caught on here because of that reason but what is good about this super sapiens thing and i know it's annoying to talk about it especially if you live in the UAE because you can't get your hands on it yet but when you can the it saves it it can back up up to eight hours of its own data which then you can bulk upload to mm-hmm. your phone so you're you're not at risk of losing it and it's why they use it for like the team that uses it for like race across america or through other ultras and things is because they're a little bit more they're a little bit hardier, if you like. Um, so even if you lose it or whatever, you won't lose your data. So if That's you find good. it again, it'll save it. It's got like it's got a memory within it, I believe, that you can then push onto your phone. Um, and it also it automatically pushes the data to your phone. I think you don't have to That's do that good. tap thing. 
yeah like tap and go almost wasn't it that was the- yeah so the the whole app interface and everything like that i think is is really smooth and that's why it's it's just gone through the roof this last year mate mm. it's so interesting and yeah it's a good it's a good listen phil um phil talks sort of about why like it's a complete passion project because he's diabetic he mm-hmm. he like understands the ins and outs of it so much and understands the value of having the data um constantly in front of him and and that comes across in the show so well it's like you can tell he he probably can't understand why anyone would not want this product you know because he's so passionate about it those are the best products aren't they the ones that have a really a good solid foundational story behind them and someone who's driving it Mm. uh, is really vested in it for for their own if you like gains yes and it just feeds out into the public yeah like he was wearing it since 2006 anyway without it being a a product that he put to market Mm -hmm. very interesting that was show 101 this is show 102 and we do have another guest on today i when you were away mate i decided to just bank podcasts so we have (laughs) another guest next week as well but and they're all recorded within the space of about they're actually all recorded within 24 hours of each other (laughs) you must be knackered it's the full rogan shift that is yeah i did a 5 p.m and then i did a 9 a.m and then a 4 30 a.m oh yeah it was it was a good one Anyway, today is we have a guy named Toby Hill on the show to talk mm-hmm. about a product called Superfeet, which yes. again is one of those products that people have probably seen, maybe not used, maybe on the fence about, but it's basically an insole um, for your running shoes. Well, for, for every shoe, actually, they, they talk about it's how important it is for like ski boots, as well as your walking boots, plus your cycling shoes and all of that. And um, we have quite a good conversation, especially because... I am quite against insoles in terms of like your everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the value I've seen for cyclists is, is huge. And yep. I'm starting to come around to the idea of the value of them for runners as well. Yes. Um, and this company has been doing insoles for 40 years. So they know what they're doing. And I wanted to get them on the show to talk a little bit about what we need to look for in insoles and what you need to look for when being sold a running shoe that is trying to do the job of an insole, which as he talks about is something that's not really possible. Um, so it's a very interesting show before that, mate, I just want you to give us a bit of a recap on, on Jordan, how it went. On Jordan. Oh, well, actually uh, Jordan. So we were away for, we were away for a week. We were racing five days back to back. A 40K, a 50K, well, it's actually a 42K, a 50K, a 71, and then a 46, and then finishing off with another or final 40, if you like. The Inner Fight Endurance team did really, really, really well. There was a field of just over 100, 100 athletes, um, a lot of very good athletes in there. A few with some uh, a decent running background, a few with a few Olympic athletes, ex-Olympic rowers, actually. There was a couple oh, wow. of those in there. Um, one that was a very good runner, although you would have hated hated his run form. Oh no. <laughs> you would have pulled him apart. But he was he just could go and go and go. And he ended up coming uh second overall, actually. Oh, wow. Um Abdul came third amazing result 
Amazing. Third Brilliant. overall. Yeah. We need to get but him booked in for the show, actually. We should do. He likes the talks. He'll definitely Loves say yes. Loves talking. Uh, who else? Marcus, our own Marcus came fourth. My client Simon came fifth. And then I came ninth. And then we had Big Red, I think, pulling up the, the tail end, if you like, in and around 30th, something like that. Big Duncan Murray. Big Duncan Murray. Nice. Yeah. So what do you, what's your reflection on your own performance, mate? Um, physically, it probably could have been better, but mentally I was set. I'm so happy with how I handled. There was a few big things that could have thrown me off getting the shits on the first night leading into the second day, um, which then obviously impacted my whole run the second day. I dropped, I think I came 21st on the second day position-wise, and so that put me well out of the, the running. So I had to claw back that ninth place and work pretty hard to stay, if you like, top 10. So I was really, really happy with how I handled the remaining of the week and adjusted my, we talked about this on our run today, how I just, I went in with a plan. I basically scrapped my fueling plan from day one and I scrapped my new, my hydration plan from day one and just recalculated the numbers on the go and I felt really good for it. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's the main thing of ultra life, right? You've got to be able to adapt. That's it. And it went, most people might think I did the, I would eat more and drink less, but it was completely opposite. I ended up doubling my new, my hydration strategy and more than halving my run fuel. Unreal. Mm. Unreal. And it was a uh, very good week. Very good week. And, and, you know, you were running okay this morning, so your legs got through it all right. You're injury-free. Injury-free. Legs got it through. Absolutely fine. I feel like I'm recovered mentally. Physically, I'm definitely not. I was wondering, like, how much FOMO has he got for this track session? Right oh, now? it's such a good track session I missed as well. Everything Such worked out today. The weather finally broke. We're into winter mode. And I somehow managed to plan the longest track session we've done for a while at the same time as the weather cooling down, luckily. Yeah, it was a long one. Oh, mile, mile, mile. It was a very good session. But on the run into track, I, uh, I think I said to you, like, Martin, mm. that was a horrific run. My legs did not feel recovered at all, especially yeah. on tarmac. Well, it's not going to be, mate. And like you say, you still probably still had a little bit of uh, the Pyrenees in them as well. Yeah. So it'll take a few weeks recovery and then back at it. Beautiful. Back on the bench press. Back on the bench. Upper and core for a couple of weeks. Upper oh, it's core. going to be awful. It'll be awful. <laughs> Very good. Right. Let's get on with today's show then. So as mentioned before, this is Toby from Superfeet. I mm -hmm. think he is like the UK and European sales manager for them um he you know obviously works for this this company called superfeet but it's not a very selly show like he just talks about the sort of idea behind what insoles can do for you yeah. and um yeah it's a very interesting show i hope you guys enjoy if you have any questions please send them on in endurance at innerfight.com on the email or you can get hold of us on instagram rob jones endurance or tom walker fitness you can also message our main account which is at if underscore endurance that's it mate no other news happening is there we'll let people listen to the show perfect here we go super feet with toby hill 
Toby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Oh, nice to meet you, Ennis. Uh, Tom, it's, uh, it's great, to, great to chat. Thank you for the invite to come in as well. Yeah, I, uh, I asked you to come on the show because you are, well, you can tell us who you are, but you work for a company called Superfeet. What do you do for Superfeet, mate? And what does Superfeet do? So I look after the UK. So there's a, there's a small team of us in the UK. And I look after the, the team here uh, and a couple of the key accounts and then work closely with the international sales director as well, working with a, a lot of the European uh, distributors and uh, their retailers as well with it. Um, so and then, got quite a big focus, sorry, just a quite a big focus on the training because yeah. it may come as a surprise that insoles are necessarily seen in the way that we'd like them to be seen. And that education is probably a, a big part of, of what we do. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to get you guys on the show. Tell us then, what is Superfeet? What, what's your brand all about? What do you make? Why are you here? So the, the only thing we really do is insoles. And we've been doing it for over 40 years. So we started in 1977. Uh, and the founders of Superfeet were actually a, a podiatrist and an engineer. So they're people that really understand shape. They understand materials. But most importantly, they understand the biomechanics of, of the feet. Uh, and essentially, what they were seeing was a lot of people being recommended for corrective custom orthotics that didn't necessarily need the corrective side of it uh, they needed something a bit more accommodating that was a much more affordable price point um, and that's where superfeet was first started and that understanding of science and biomechanics is basically behind everything we do to this day still now um, which sometimes makes the, the marketing element fun because uh, everything is based on science rather than just the, the nice marketing conversations that people like to have around things like Artrite and stuff like that. Mm, okay. So you, and I'm looking at your website, so I know the answer, but your, your insoles for, for everything, really, anything you can do with your feet, you've got insoles for. <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose if, if all you're going to do is make insoles, you might as well cover as many bases as possible with it. So whether that's just day to day on your feet, dress shoes, whether that's running, skiing, uh, walking, cycling, you name it, we've, we've got product that will work. Um, it's just a case of finding the right product for the right person based on yeah. their activities. I'm sure everyone out there has got either some experience or know someone who's had experience with finding an insole that has like, change the game for them and then also someone else who's gone to the podiatrist spent a fortune on insoles and had no help either mm -hmm. what's the difference mate between like the insole that you make and other insoles out there on the market so probably the big thing from our point of view is everybody likes to talk about archite and working with with that as their basis that wet footprint test and deciding what sort of arch they've got I suppose from our point of view, we we help the arch, but we do it in a slightly different way to, to that of others. Um, and the main reason for that is if we work on an arch height only basis, typically you've only got three options, a high, a medium and a low. Uh, and anybody listening to this will realize that, that, that everybody's feet are slightly different. They're not one of just three types of feet out there. So trying to classify everybody into one of three types of feet is quite difficult. Um, so for us, it's about the joints that help the arch of the foot uh, and working with some of the source of the movement as much as anything else, rather than just a, a lumpy feeling underneath that arch, I suppose. Okay. And then how can you tell whether you've got flat, medium or high arches? 
well, I suppose it's one of those things that because everybody's slightly different, it's uh, it's down to interpretation. Uh, the difficulty comes is the more feet you see, the better idea you've got of that, uh, which is why that wet footprint test can be a bit of a challenge. Um, as a general rule, when you're looking at the feet, the lower to the ground that arch is, the flatter your foot is, the higher up it is, the higher the arch is. But there's no numerical value that says at this point your foot becomes high, at this point becomes medium, and at this point it becomes low. Um, it's based on that, that perception of all the other feet that you've seen along the way to, to get that judgment call. Okay. And then let's say uh, we're looking at from uh, the the guys who think like may, maybe the, the barefoot movement type of people who think like insoles are the enemy. When we move our, our feet, obviously you're not born with insoles, right? So what is the argument to us needing them? Why do we get to a position where we need insoles and why can't we correct it? ourselves so i suppose the the big thing from that point of view is that the feet were designed to adapt they were designed to change to the surface that they're on but over time what we've done a very good job at is making everything flat we've made the footpaths flat we've made the roads flat we've made the inside of shoes flat so the job of the foot is adapting to the surface but if we've made that surface very flat we're constantly asking as much as possible from the foot if we're able to get some shape under the foot with the, the shape of, of an insole of super feet, what we're able to do is just stop the foot having to work quite so hard and spread the force just slightly more efficiently through the foot. Um, so it's not a case of a, an insole is detrimental to, to the function of the foot. Um, it's only there to, to complement it rather than the, uh, a negative effect on it. So like the, the arch muscles within the foot essentially are, are designed to be tested like over various terrain and things like that but because they're not being they're getting weaker over time for, for some it's a case of there there are studies and you'd say name one and i'd have to look it up but there are studies that show that their insole isn't gonna weaken the the intrinsic muscles of the foot um it's it's not how that's designed to work but the big problem we've got is the joints uh within the foot they, they move in a certain way and we can do as much as we can to try and strengthen those with, with the little muscles that we've got there. Um, but if the joint has, a, has, has an excessive amount of movement because it's trying to adapt to that surface, there's only so far you can go with some of the training and that's where potentially an insole can assist that person along the way. Uh, I think the other thing we see is an insole needs to be a, a solution for a big problem, uh, a big injury or, uh, or something that's happened that, that means that an insole is, uh, is a necessity. Um, but for some people, it could be anything from a, a fitting issue um, and an educational thing that what people, what runners, what athletes are, are normally quite good at is accepting and tolerating certain discomforts and certain little niggles and pains and just assuming that that's part and parcel of exercise. Whereas actually with an insole, stopping the foot having to work quite as hard and just complementing how the foot, foot is trying to move there, uh, we can actually reduce down some of those little problems, whether that's just that general tiredness in the feet at the end of a run, whether that's hot spots, whether it's calluses, whether it's bruised toes for some people, um, through to bigger things like shin, knee, hip, back pain, all those sort of stuff are all the things that we see people benefit uh, from, from using our products. So like things like back pain could potentially be because of, because of feet. Yeah. It's uh, everything's linked to a foundation. I mean, you build a house, you don't build it on un unstable foundations there. You, you want a stable foundation for everything above that to, to be able to function and perform 
properly with uh, and your feet are that foundation there's a quarter of the bones in your body in your feet um, it's quite a significant uh, sort of makeup of, of, of the, as a percentage there in such a small part of the body we want to give that the, the best foundation possible to get uh, a positive effect through the rest of the body there so you found over time that, that putting your insoles into people's running shoes, let's say, because we're not running for now, has, has helped to alleviate that, uh, those pains that, that people may be able to get, which essentially can lead to more run mileage and then better performance. It's not that the insole is giving the better performance, it's giving you the platform to basically run more pain-free, which is yes. going to get you better performance. That and, and helping increase that efficiency. If we can reduce down some of the force coming back up through the body and spread it more evenly, um, that's that's just less impact on the body as we go with it, which can only be a more comfortable thing. So actually, people who are looking for less impact, going for the thicker-soled trainers, maybe they're looking at the wrong thing. They're not. They shouldn't be going for thicker-soled trainers. They should maybe be looking at an insole. So it's it's a comfort thing. If if that thicker-soled, that softer shoe is comfortable, great. Um, there's, there's some studies that have shown that comfort is a big determining factor on injury rate. So if you're the more comfortable something is, the less likely you are to get injured, but also the better it can be at helping that uh, recovery time. So if a thicker sold trainer with that bit of cushioning is comfortable, then wear a thicker sold trainer with a bit of cushioning. It may be that an insole can complement that thicker sold trainer for that person. It could be that somebody that likes a thinner, more responsive pair of trainers, that's more comfortable to them. Go with that as, as the fitting option there for you. Uh, uh, sort of our big thing is what is most comfortable to you as an individual, and we can provide product recommendations across that. Um, but comfort is key, I suppose, in our, in our view. Yeah. And what have you seen over the years as trainers have developed and like taken over different areas of the market do you, is that something that you track or have you said, no, our, our insole design is, is the same and we've kept it the same throughout or have you had to develop your insoles along with the trainers being developed? So we, a bit, a bit of both. The, the message that we have had has always been the same on the, the foot function and the parts of the foot we want to work with. The products that we've produced have been designed based on the footwear that people are wearing. So as lower, more minimalist footwear came out, we created a thinner, lighter, lower volume products to complement that sort of footwear. Uh, as higher volume, softer footwears come out, we've created products to work alongside that. The, the science that goes into the production of those products hasn't changed, but what we have done is catered the, the materials to the individuals that, and, and what they're looking for. Uh, so as people have said, we want softer, we've provided softer, but soft within our remit of soft, not potentially what people expect from really soft and really squidgy. Um, so it's, it's trying to find that balancing out that we don't compromise that, that structure and integrity of what we're trying to do, but please the market at the same time. Yeah. And are you mainly, um, I've seen on your website, you have a carbon fiber performance insole. Is that just is basically to sort of stay with the theme of carbon sold running shoes. Does it have a, uh, a performance factor or is it purely a lightweight thing? So part of its weight. So in thinning out the plastic of some of the caps, we need to put the carbon in there to provide the torsional rigidity. So we keep that structure and we keep the shape, but in putting the carbon in, it's allowed us to make a thinner, lighter product. Uh, so for those people that that performance element, that low volume, that lighter weight is essential. And that is where they fit. 
then we've got a product for it, for that person that likes that higher volume, slightly more obvious, slightly firmer feeling underfoot. We've created the product to go alongside that as well. Nice. And what are you saying at the moment is your, like, what do people come to your website for? Is it pain relief or are they looking for like just comfier shoes? Like, where do you feel the, like, what's your best seller basically? And then why do you think that is? So our best seller globally is actually the green. And that I think is because that was the first product that came out. It was designed for high volume footwear. Uh, in the US, it gets used within the run industry. Not that I necessarily would, because I think we've got better running products now for it. Um, but it's used across the run. It's used outdoor. It's used for, for winter sports. And because the, the function of the foot hasn't changed significantly enough for us to need to warrant changing that product, if you liked the green two years ago or 20 years ago, you're still going to like the green now. So I okay. think it's that, that tried and tested. I know I like it. It works for me. Great. But what we have seen is a real increase in outdoor specific and running specific products, especially over the last couple of years, when all people were really able to do for the last couple of years is go out and walk or run. Um, I think a lot of people possibly found their love for, for sport again, but possibly found that they weren't quite in the, the same sort of uh, physical state they were when they last did did that activity um, and as a result those little niggles and pains and aches creep back in again and I think we were we were sort of that solution for people with it um, so I think sort of the initial thing that again goes back to that most people seem to think that an insole is only for relieving pain um, but actually it could just be enhancing that comfort um, and changing that fit and, and basically making a pair of shoes your shoes because if you're a size nine, then that doesn't really mean a lot. Whereas if we can take a size nine, change the insole to match closer the contours of your feet, and then potentially recommend a pair of socks that change the fit of that pair of shoes as well. Now you've got your pair of size nine, rather than just generic pair of size nine with standard liner that came out of that pair of shoes. Yeah, because I guess you're kind of, your foot size is your foot size, but it's still like, this, rarely do you find the accommodate for like the width or maybe toe spread or toe length. So you kind of, you're always compromising your shoes because you're never going to get a custom made running shoe to your exact foot size, right? Unless you probably Kipchoge or, or one of the top, top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that that is part of it there. It's, it's helping personalize and just, and, and deal with some of those imbalances a little bit between left and right, because most people have a slight difference most people when they stand up their feet change shape um mm. so when we're talking to staff in store we try and encourage people to to measure feet where possible and we like to do that weighted and unweighted because we want to mimic how the foot moves during the gait cycle uh, and going forwards we've got technology that's that's now arriving that is all about dynamic analysis of the foot um, because we want to see what the foot does when it's moving um that is the best way to be able to provide a more personal recommendation and also identify potential aches and pains and problems and things like that as, as we go i see so really you gotta get an understanding of sort of what your arch height is looking like and if you've got some aches and pains around the arch area in the foot but also maybe further up the chain then looking towards something that might support the arch a little bit more is is a good idea what about for the runners who've got high arches what can be the issue there 
for some people, it's 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 uh, as much a fitting thing in that situation because it may be that their feet don't change shape quite as much as someone with a slightly lower uh, lower arch. Um, but again, you could be so so. For example, the run comfort has become a a very big seller for us. You could have a high arch and really like the run comfort. You could have a low arch and still really like the run comfort. The the biomechanics and the science that go into the product is, are designed to make it accessible for whoever has that that type of foot and whatever that foot is um, but for people that typically have that higher arch for them it's it's as much about filling space around the foot because that high arch leaves quite a big void on that flat surface of a pair of shoes that big void can lead to friction it can lead to just general dead space it can lead to some of those hot spots and pressure points for people so if we can fill those gaps and just change that fit so you don't feel like you've got those big voids around the foot you've got a more comfortable fitting pair of shoes, which goes back to that conversation of comfort is key. Mm. And then people who've been told there's one major shoe company out there that likes to do this a lot, people being told they're overpronators or underpronators and, and then sells them a pair of shoes based on that. Is that something that, that you guys have a, a product for as well? Or what do you advise when people come to you with that? It all falls into that same sort of conversation again it's i suppose it's all down to the terminology that each person wants to use you know, it's not my place to argue with sort of what what is the right terminology to use in in the right place there with it yeah. um essentially the foot the foot has to pronate it has to supinate to be able to function to be able to move um so if you're finding that you're you've got a bit more pronation if that's the way they want to talk with it then again, it's a case of the, the products are designed to work with the part of the foot where all the weight comes in. So whether you're a heel striker, whether you're a forefoot striker, whether you've got a higher arch or a lower arch, the product point for us is, is just below where the ankle is. So where all the weight comes into the body, that's the part of the foot that we want to work with because that's the part of the foot that has an impact on how the foot's adapting and that shock absorbing factor to it, which has, a, has an impact on how the arch functions. So if we can work with that and spread the force from the moment the weight comes into the foot, if you overpronate, if that's the terminology, then the product will work for you. If you're flat-footed, the product should work for you. If you're high-arched, the product should work for you. There are always going to be those couple of people that find that it's not quite for them, and that is absolutely fine. We're not turning around and saying that we're going we're gonna to work for 100% of the people 100% of the time. Um, but we've got a confidence in the products that we've got a 60 day guarantee that says, try it. It may be one of those things that you weren't considering and you're now toying with. The joy of having that guarantee is if it doesn't work for you as an individual, that's not your fault. It shouldn't be one of those things that sits in a pile of things that you thought might work, but didn't and you never touch again. We'd rather go, thank you very much for, for trying it. Sorry, it wasn't for you have your money back and we work with the retailers to, to support that as well. Nice. I like that. What, uh, tell us, what, what do you think is wrong with the, and I'm with you on this, by the way, overpronation when companies throw that out there, mainly shoe companies, as you say, that the foot is meant to overpronate, but what, um, where do you think people are getting, what's their understanding on that in, in your opinion and where are they getting it wrong? So I suppose a lot of the, a lot of the stuff comes down to, um, gate analysis, I suppose. People can watch watch somebody run. Uh, and I suppose in my experience, having, having worked in a running retailer, uh, my experience was it's very easy to focus just on the, the back of the foot and what looks good there. Um, 
but the joints at the back of the foot can only move so far from a from a shock absorbing point of view and then it starts to become a bit of soft tissue movement uh and then where do you draw the line between what was actual bones and joints moving too much and what's soft tissue displacement well you you don't know because you can't tell that looking through a camera but it's also very easy to not look beyond just that heel and that initial impact um i think you need to look at the the whole picture there you need to look at how the foot's actually sitting on the ground how much little toe can you see what's the toe off like does the heel raise early is there any twisting and turning in the forefoot what happens further up through the body with knees and hips and shoulders and stuff like that um and i suppose because it's just an easy conversation to have about here's what we can see when we draw a couple of lines on the back of your foot um, it becomes a very easy way of classifying pronation um, even though there isn't a numerical value that says at this point you are an overpronator because everybody's tolerance is different you'll know from from, <laughs> from what you do there will be some people that you look at running and you go that shouldn't work but it does and they're exceptional at what they do what sort of guy is going to turn around and say i think we need to change something here when you're putting in those sort of times and performances a lunatic so if if your body is able to function and deal with the, the way it's working there and it it has the tolerance to to work with that why try and change it the big thing that people often see i think when they start talking about um stability footwear is probably more midsole compression rather than it is anything that's interacting with the foot the outside edge of a overpronation shoe stability shoe depending on sort of who you speak to about it is soft lateral area where the foot first hits the ground and it's nice and soft and squidgy the inside is denser and firmer uh, and when you look at the back of the foot it looks nice if you cut away parts of the shoe and see what's actually going on inside there the inside of that stability shoe compared to a neutral shoe is still flat the foot's still changing shape and trying to adapt to that flat surface what you're now seeing is the the midsole compression rate on the on that medial aspect not compressing quite so much and for some people that is all they need and that is absolutely wonderful that is that's great um, but for others it may be that a little extra needs to go in there with that slightly more personal shape of an insole yeah you're you're basically building up part of the shoe that is is going to get rolled down anyway by the foot you're just delaying the time that it takes you're not actually fixing the problem with the function of the foot yeah yeah and obviously we've seen some people change their their terminology on what they're talking about and how they're classifying footwear um and i think that's just going to be a continual gradual change for some it absolutely works and from a from an in-store point of view that's it's a, it's a much easier conversation to have of that slightly more traditional way but we're seeing materials change we're seeing the, the footwear change we're seeing all these advancements i think it's just a gradual thing of over time it becomes hopefully slightly more accepted that, that an insole can be used as part of that fitting and can be a, a standard in footwear. It doesn't have to be a, a big taboo subject. Um, we see it quite a lot within winter sports, the, the number of insole brands that are in winter sports, and it is accepted mm. that in a ski boot to get better efficiency, to get better power transfer and everything like that, an insole is a big part of it. Um, great if we can get that conversation rolling out more into the the sort of the endurance side of things the running side of things and and understanding that it doesn't have to be detrimental or trying to work against the body or trying to fix a problem if you want fixing problems speak to the medical professional that can fix a problem and create something corrective that is what they're there for uh, off the shelf insoles super feet included aren't designed to 
correct something. They're designed to just embrace your foot and, and hopefully allow it to function more efficiently inside that shoe. I always think that because in cycling, it's the same. You're, it's, it's highly sort of likely now, if you go to get a bike fit, you're going to have insoles put in. Um, and it's been that way for the past 10 years. And I would never ride bike shoes without insoles in. Like I've just, I know exactly which insoles I have. And I know if, if it starts to get softer, I can feel it immediately. And I know I need to change them out, but running, I mean, I, I've, I reached out to you guys because I started to use a running sole from you guys about three months ago. And, uh, I did it because I do the daily foot strengthening work. I do the towel scrunches. I do the tiptoe walks. You know, I do literally everything that should be done to get stronger feet. But yet I was still having a few uh, blisters here and there and, and a little bit of foot aching on, on longer runs. So I was like, I'm just going to try it and see, see how it feels. But then, you know, I started to look more into it. And especially with what you guys do, it, it's a very, um, like, I don't have to go to anyone. I don't have to see another person to get an appointment to then get them made, which sometimes is a bit of a hassle. It can just go on the website and, and order through and you can feel the difference almost immediately why isn't it becoming a norm like we've got so much technology going into running shoes and you you know you guys have been around for 40 years why aren't shoe companies saying okay we need to sell this shoe with an actual decent insole not just a piece of because all it is when you pull them out it's a piece of material that you can literally roll into a ball and it has no support whatsoever but it's not my place to, to comment on uh, individual footwear companies but i suppose the 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 overarching answer to that is everybody likes something slightly different. If, if a brand was to put a shaped insole in there in the beginning of, of a certain density or a certain thickness, for some people that would be the most comfortable pair of shoes that anybody's ever put on their feet. For others, it will be the polar opposite and they will help the feel of it and they want something completely different and it can be almost detrimental to it. By making that line of removable, it allows you to personalize based on your fit preferences. So if you like a looser uh, fit around the foot, we have thinner products to accommodate for that. If you like a snugger fit, we have products to accommodate for that. If you like it slightly firmer and slightly more responsive, we've got that product. If you want that slightly squidgier feeling, we can deal with that as well. So the problem there is if a brand was to put an insole in there that fit one of those categories, there's all those other people that, that it's not going to cater for. Whereas making it generic and removable allows you to change that fit to the individual and the personal preference that you have. So basically it's so that they don't lose money on not selling a shoe that people don't want. <laughs> could, be, could be, could be. Brilliant. There's one last thing I think it's important to discuss on this topic and that's proprioception of the foot. Mm -hmm. and uh like for example for me when i first put your your insole in because i'm used to it with bike shoes i knew what to expect so like oh it feels like i've got a stone in my shoe digging into my arch and then you run again and you, it starts to get a little bit less and now i run with them and i know i have them in but i don't feel anywhere near as i did when i first got them and and that is down to proprioception which is is the nerves of our feet yeah is that the same for everyone or is everyone going to feel the same everybody's going to feel it slightly so you'll always get that one person that could put on anything and go and run any distance and have no problems you'll always get that one person that finds that any slight change takes a lot of getting used to that's partly why we've got that guarantee because we know everybody is slightly different but it's also important to remember that your feet have had some of the sort of the most densely packed area of nerve endings in the body so there is a lot going on there 
if all of a sudden we've got something that's making contact with more of the foot and is providing a slightly more personal fit, then yeah, you're possibly going to be slightly more aware of it. I'd say the big thing that it's worth remembering with our products is a lot of people will stand on the product and their first comment will be, it feels like the support's just at the back of the arch rather than in the middle of the arch. And my response to that is good. That, that's where we're trying to work. That back of the arch, that just below the ankle where all the body weight comes in, that's the part of the foot that we want to work with that's going to have the, the positive impact onto that arch for you. So don't, don't feel that it's wrong. Don't feel it's in the wrong place. Don't, don't worry about that but do give it time. Take it, take as long as you need. You've got two months to, to figure that out there. If it's one or two runs and then you're back to everything, great. If you find that you can put them in and go straight out, no problem, then, then congratulations. Everybody will be slightly different to that and you've got to take it at your own pace. In the same that you'll know with the sort of building up that distance, building up that speed, everybody is different and you have to, you have to manage every athlete slightly differently with it. Same sort of thing here. That's sort of my advice as a general with that. Brilliant. Good. I'm sure you've helped a lot of people with who've had a lot of questions on this subject and go trawling through the internet and get so many different answers. Um, yeah, obviously insoles not for everybody, but certainly could help could help most. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Um, where people can head to website superfeet.com and you're a worldwide brand, is that right? Yeah, we're we're worldwide. We've got um we've got three global warehouses ourselves and then our distributors have warehouses spread across the, the world as well so we, we should be accessible wherever you are in the world um, you should be able to find us as you say through superfeet.com um, or a variety of different social media channels to be able to get in touch with whoever's closest to you as well and you have a really good um like find your super fit so which insole you you want you can head on to the website um and just go to it's literally on the beginning of the home page it says insole finder and i found that so useful when looking for um for which one i wanted just head through that questionnaire and then you get chucked out a load of results and then you can choose you can basically refine it down to like choice of two basically and then and then you pick which one you think you should you should go for yeah and that's all based on the footwear that you're planning on using them in as well so if your footwear is going to change and you want a slightly different fit or feel based on the footwear you can change the options and go again from that Brilliant. Toby, thank you so much for coming on and your time. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate that. No worries. Thanks a lot.